0: Welcome to Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm your co-host and homeboy, Jamar Nelson. I'm Patwin Lawrence. That would be Patwin Lawrence over there. Welcome to our pre-recorded show, May 12th. May 12th. Live of Black Republican, Black Democrat. Ladies and gentlemen, last week we had an incredibly good guest, Dr. Jermaine Tony, Tony, uh, Black Economist from the Hood. And today you're listening to us because um, we're pre-recorded and and... Can I, can I use some of my British accent? Sure. Okay. And you've reached out to... should use Canadian. Oh, can, oh, oh I, I guess, guess it's Canada. I don't know. When you're Canadian, what do you sound like? Uh, uh, what's the
1: rapper's name? Uh uh Drake? You oh, sound French. like Drake. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, French. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. actually, they sound like the ones from right above us sound like hillbillies, actually, from the south. I was at, I went to a WWF. Well, I went to a WWF, uh, uh, event. Uh, I actually won it at some club I went to. This was like maybe about 10 years ago. And I, and then, you know, I was sitting there and all of a sudden I heard these people speaking, like this really thick, like southern drawl or whatever, And I turned around just to look and see like who was behind me. And it was like these people from, from Canada. They were like from right above us. Like I think what, Winnipeg or? Really? Whatever the big city they were from. From Up there because I asked them like where they were from. <laughs> wow. But I was like really kind of shocked. They sounded like, you know, they're from the south. Wow. In you know, certain areas. Yeah. Wow. I was kind of, yeah. Okay. Well, we're
0: going to have to have him make bright. sure we uh, turn up your phone so you can absolutely hear him speak his Canadian accent,
1: right? <laughs> well, Faux has more of a French. He's from Montreal. so. Oh, so uh, there, he's, he's Geechee.
0: No. Black folks, black Frenchmen, are like Geechee. But no. that's usually in Louisiana, though.
1: No, those are Creoles. No, see, no I actually, you bo- no, for.
0: Geechee is also a, a black Frenchman, too.
1: Come on. Where, where do you, Dama? Know, listen. That, that's where my I'm, dad's from. That's what they call him, Gullah Geechees. I'm, I'm from, I,
0: listen, I'm from Texas and my father's from Louisiana. I do know. And the they Geechies. call them Geechees?
1: Yeah, Because they eat them. rice? <laughs> no no, I no. that's no. why they call people in, in because they eat rice cuz rice was a staple crop
0: of the gijji yeah. well, well yeah i mean you know i just know that uh i just know that southern uh black frenchmen which is actually which is common i think a lot friends. of us don't know yeah. that uh, a lot of black folks when they were fr- when they fled they would flee to
1: uh france and yeah. where they would be uh Part of florida uh, they a lot of people went south a lot of people didn't go north because it was a lot further to go through and if you were in carolina georgia mississippi it was easier to get to florida which well, was you free. like
0: uncle tom you uh walked to uh, uh kentucky yeah and uh <laughs> walked you know, to free I yeah. Mean, yeah. It, uh, no matter of fact uncle tom went to canada went from kentucky oh, that's, yeah it's been a while kentucky book, to kentucky yeah. to canada and yeah. that's how he got free so yeah. all right so yeah. i guess that's, that's true yeah, that's true some that's, did do that yeah no doubt so yeah all right well
1: you and bring in our uh our, our yeah let's our, bring on our one our guest, on our guest. So, drake I, yeah <laughs> so our guest for uh this evening is fo uh, nimi and i i know i'm butchering his last name uh but he's the co-founder and executive director of the center uh, for research action on race relations um, it 's a small nonprofit civil rights organization based in Montreal um, so we this is our first international caller, uh, our interview I should say, and um, we 're great to have fo on i 've known Foe for almost twenty years now. He uh, actually vacations uh, when I go to uh, Cape Cod visit my aunt every summer you know he usually comes down, and so that 's actually how I know foe he 's a friend of my aunt. My aunt went to McGill um, after she uh, did her undergrad, and that 's how they met so that's kind of our connection there. So, Fo, are you on the line? Oh. Uh -oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That would be... We lost Fo, our international connection. (laughs) (laughs) I think he dropped off. The... the Technology,
0: I tell technology. You. Technology. Especially international. You know what? And so we'll get him back on the line here. He can tell us about uh, uh, all of his uh, experience.
1: So look, he, yeah. you, you said that uh, Foe is left-leaning? Yes, yes, he so he loves like the Kennedys and the whole like, you know, he's yeah, that's what he really likes about. So you should talk to him about John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King. He's very so and 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 he's Asian too, which also makes it unique that, you know, he shows the solidarity. He likes to when we uh go to the beach, he actually likes to suntan, especially as an Asian because he says that shows brings solidarity with the work that he does. Um, so yeah, so it's very interesting. So uh Fo, are you there? here hi Hi. sorry hi. A technology <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that it's so, okay well thank you for inviting me tonight yes yeah, so, so we, we just introduced you we, we uh, just you know briefly introduce you that you're the co-founder and executive director of the center uh, for research action on race relations so talk a little bit about that tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do there in montreal uh, well, it's uh, the
2: advocacy group that was uh, founded in 1983 basically to advocate for civil rights and to combat uh, racial discrimination mm-hmm. primarily in the city of Montreal, but also we do a lot of work at the national and federal level in dealing with not only race relations but civil rights and many other issues such as uh, the growth of hate crime and hate groups in Canada. So over the last few decades we have uh, basically um, helped a lot of people sue uh, uh institution employers with discrimination uh we also uh work with many other uh communities and groups uh especially in recent years in addressing islamophobia in addressing also the the growing phenomenon of this kind of you know xenophobia and rising nationalism you know, with that um, seek to, among other things, to close off the borders. Uh, so, you know, because Canada, like the United States, is the country built and founded by immigrants. So that's why <laughs> it's important for us to to look at those things all together.
0: No doubt about it. And so, listen, I, I know Canada doesn't experience the type of racism that we do here in the States. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's still um, happening. Mm-hmm. And so it's great that you have, you guys provide a, a, a place for Someone can go when they're experiencing type of uh, uh, discrimination. So, what what made you guys put it together? What was going on there in Canada that made you guys uh, want to put together a center like this?
2: Well, uh, in the um, eighties, the Montreal experienced a good growing problem of racism directed at black taxi drivers. and wow. Many black taxi drivers at the time were of Haitian background because, as you know, Montreal being primarily a French uh, mm-hmm. city, mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of Haitian immigrants, and Im- Haitian immigrants coming here experienced a lot of racism based on the skin color even though they speak French. So mm-hmm. the, out of that, there was a need to create an organization that really addressed um, the racism, but from an advocacy point of view, using law and litigation as a way to uh, combat discrimination, and that has been a hallmark ever since. Mm. I've also developed a lot of, of um, you know, learned a lot of lessons from the United States in dealing with the, you know, using the civil rights laws and mm-hmm. tactics as a way to to organize people and to educate people and make people feel proud of themselves, because there's mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, many of the um, members of minorities here are mm-hmm. of immigrant background, so there's yes. always kind of reluctance to challenge institutions, to challenge mm-hmm. the, the status quo, you um, Mm -hmm. So that's why it's part of it is changing the mindset, really.
1: Yeah. So, so how did you get into um, uh, doing this, like, you know, in terms of starting this? Because, especially being. uh, you know, of Asian descent. That's kind of unique because you really, in the U.S., you really don't see, uh, and that's something that's been discussed widely, that you don't really see Asians getting involved, you know, politically, um, for the most part in the, in the U.S. And so it's kind of unique. Usually they're focused on business and, you know, things of that aspect. So how did you get involved in doing that work in Montreal?
2: Well, I, I, I was raised in a family in which basically we were taught also to ensure their respect and equality and also to speak out against injustice. And uh, the, the civil rights movement in the 60s greatly influenced not only my, my education, but also my outlook on life. And then uh, contacts and friends with mm-hmm. uh, Americans of all backgrounds led me to uh, really look at things from a very different perspective. In many ways, Canadians and, um, I mean, of all background French people, and English speaking we're very influenced among other things by American culture Mm -hmm. so the experience and also the history of the American Civil Rights Movement and everything shape among other things my outlook at Of things, of people, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, on the, on these issues, and then the the experience of when you travel across the country, mm-hmm. and uh, because of your skin color, it's uh, you experience of the different forms of implicit and explicit racial bias, mm-hmm. especially when you have black friends, and you, you know, when I I get into a car with a black friend who drives i've experienced the same feeling of anxiety and fear of encountering the police as my black friend who drives because mm. these are the things that happen to people and when it happened to people close to you mm-hmm. you become part of the community you live it and you live it firsthand.
0: say i like mm-hmm. you i say i like you this is keeping Real radio and i like you when you have i told you you would like when me. you have uh, uh a non-black uh people experience or a, they can truly uh, have empathy for some of the things that we experience. So uh, we got a few more, a lot more questions for you on that yes. side of the break. So let's uh, take this first break so we can get right back into it on that side of the break. Okay, this is Black Republican, Black Democrat on Twin Cities News Talk and com. You know, I like to get down. Rock. Welcome back to Black Republican, Black Democrat. Your Co-host and homeboy Jamar Nelson, and I'm Patwin Lawrence. Welcome uh, back. But you know, the music just throws me, Pat. I be so well because I'd be so into it, yeah, I lose yeah. focus of yeah. when we're, you know, when we're back up. I wonder if Fo would know who the, that that was. Of course, he would. <laughs> would you have <laughs> any idea who that is, Fo? Uh, no idea, actually. Exactly. See? Oh, he does it. Oh, okay. Atlantic, Atlantic Star. When love calls. He knows his music, though. Okay. I'm kind of surprised. You, you, uh, he doesn't know that, though. He's not that old. You're not that old school, though, are you? <laughs> <laughs> How old are you, folks?
2: <laughs> how old are you okay. oh lord
0: here you go okay him, him <laughs> and methus was his first cousin that's what he's saying <laughs> so folks, check it out i think what's important is to understand because we think especially me and i have no shame with admitting my ignorance on this uh on the subject there because we normally hear that in canada again as i spoke earlier in the first segment that there isn't there uh, canada not being known for widespread racism mm-hmm. so i'll say again what 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 was going on in the eighties? What type of um, discrimination, yeah. racial racial biases that were that the citizens were experiencing, mm-hmm. uh, that made you guys again create the center? And what was seriously happening that we don't know about?
2: Yeah. Uh, do you know, Canada traditionally and historically ha- has been, or was, basically built by the predominantly by f- the French uh, and the British immigrants. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the First Nations from coast to coast, yes. coast in the north. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the seventies and the eighties, there was a lot of influx of immigrants from Haiti, from from Africa, mm-hmm. uh, from Vietnam, for example, the Bo people. So the mm-hmm. and for some South Asia. So the uh, from C- Caribbean, of course, mm-hmm. the the color of Canadian society changed particularly in key cities like in Toronto, Montreal, Mm -hmm. uh, in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. Uh, So because of the change in demographics, uh, that also led to a lot of friction. And this is when racism started to become very, very dominant uh, in many cities. For example, in Toronto in the 70s, there were a lot of incidents of quote-unquote pack bashing. Uh, What would you call it? uh, it's called Paki bashing. It's a British Pakistani it's to these, uh,
1: hate crimes against people of South Asian background. Oh, okay. And then uh, you know, and so Prince Harry oh, did that. Yeah. Wasn't that the thing he when he was in the military? I don't know if you remember that. No, there was that. Listen, we yeah. don't get those liability insurance, okay? Though, but now he's marrying a black. woman so? <laughs> oh yeah, he's yeah, forgiven. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I, look, when
0: when you yeah. talk about your your experiences with your 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 black friends, your black counterparts. What were some of the things that you did experience or well, seen them experience? The,
2: uh, well, there are little subtle things, for example. Some of them not that subtle, actually. For example, you go into a restaurant, okay, where you're seated. Mm-hmm. how long you have to wait to be served. Sometimes you can feel the difference when you were in mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: uh,
2: Those are the things, especially uh, one of my experience was in basically in uh, Brookline, Boston, going mm-hmm. to a Chinese restaurant and not being a- allowed to sit in the front and more shown to the back. And when I went to the back, I could see a lot of people of color there. I got mm-hmm. the message right away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those things, sometimes they institutionalize. sometimes they're very implicit and... You learn very fast, and when you learn very fast, even though if I'm not black, I don't believe that that's right and that's more, and, and everyone has to speak out. Mm-hmm. So when you live these things firsthand, personal experiences, you really have to take a stand because in doing so, basically, you help improve things for everyone. So that's why racism hurts everyone, and we have to be really to show not only responsibility, but in many cases, mm-hmm. personal empathy to be able to walk in the other person's shoes and to know what it's like, or whether people are poor, whether people are of color, or people basically are disabled. And I think those are the things that mm-hmm. can really help change mindsets as well as policies and practices.
0: Tell Donald Trump and Kanye that. So, uh, (laughs) and and, you know, I bring that up. I had a question, but I bring that up to for this reason too. The fact that he's making these ignorant statements of racism being a choice um no he uh, said slavery not racism. I'm sorry, I'm sorry i'm sorry thank you slavery being a choice for when you hear a, a especially a guy that i thought was a pretty articulate dude, well but being articulate in music and and, and historically exactly it's two totally why different are we things following like these people anyway like well, listen come on now we've been following celebrities throughout time that's no, there's no different but when i hear but a black man they don't Follow their celebrities in terms of their
1: politics. Only we do that.
2: Well, would you well, would you say would you say that that's true, folks? Well, wasn't there an expression called the disgrace to the race?
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. And we kept forget the slavery a mm-hmm. practice in the in the old days of the British Empire and, <laughs> and even in America, basically a former Afri- uh, African genocide genocide mm-hmm. and people of African background. It's documented. It's so widespread mm-hmm. for centuries. And to say there's a choice, I think, Mm -hmm. is an insult. Those who forefathers and mothers were basically killed by, uh, by slavery.
1: Well, I have to d- I have to disagree yeah. with both of you all because Uh-oh. I think I think what Kanye was trying to say, and oh because goodness. he's you know, and I'm hey, not going to say he's an artist. As President Obama said he's a jackass. I'm not blaming that on because he's an artist, but I think what he was really trying to say is there was a choice. He was talking about mental enslavement. Is actually what he was talking about. If you no, he wasn't. No, if you look at the larger clip, he was talking about mental enslavement because you know they like to like cut up clips. No, what he not? was saying was how mental he was for being <laughs> on, hooked on drugs. Is what well, that's true. That's 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 part of it. But you can't blame but, black but folks for but that. But I think what he's saying in terms of a choice, I, I would say that the shift should be it was the uh, it was a crappy choice that they had. Because, yes, uh, enslaved people did have a choice. You what choices they have? Yeah, you could have said, no, I'm not going to Pick cotton, negro, you or could've die. Could've, yes, exactly. Is Ooh, that so, really a choice? The heck, No, no, no there's no choice. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying crappy choices. But you also see in Haiti where they, you know, Took over, uh, you know, the island from the French, and they fought back. You had where I'm from in Charleston, South Carolina, where you had Denmark Vesey, which you know that was betrayed. You had Nat Turner. You had a lot of revolts that took place where people, uh, you know, wanted to fight that. Well, he doesn't talk about. That's why I think these sound bites are problematic, where people can't really. Talk, and he probably doesn't know enough anyway to no, you know to talk more about is. it. But I wouldn't have made that statement. But I understand what he was saying. There was a choice in terms of where a lot of enslaved people fled to. Are they fought back? They would damage Yeah, but there property. was no choice. Would, if you're you know, choice. If your choice,
0: if I make a choice, foe I'm not shackled to my choice. You don't. If, if, well, if you, you give run me, away. if you give me a choice, yeah. you don't chain me to it. So I again, you know, I, we got caught up on Kanye. Yeah. I, I, no, I we say again, though, folk, we
2: talk about. Choice, but people also have to have the means, and people have to that's right. have the power that's that's right. to that's act right the choice. Yes, and I think in slavery, yeah. a lot of people just didn't have the power. They well, didn't they didn't freedom.
1: know because they were afraid. So, they they were only on those plantations or in the neighborhood. That's all they knew. They didn't know what was outside, and a lot of times they were told negative things, and that's why a lot of African Americans don't know how to swim too. Because you know, because you know, if you knew how to swim across the creek or the river, you could actually escape. So you hinder people and keep them in bondage and keep their minds um you know in the stagnant you know focused way only on their location and their current existence and then they couldn't think out of the box not because of any default on their own it's because of the experience that they grew they grew up in
0: now when we talk about uh asian the asian experience versus the the black experience when we look at now like there's a stats on between 2009-2010 uh, that the percentage of uh, Asian, Asian Americans mm-hmm. living in poverty actually went down. It um, mm-hmm. went from 12.5 to 12.1, which is, I mean to say that that went down when it being pretty high. Mm-hmm. Don't tell Donald Trump that. But what is it that we're missing? I mean, because a lot of times we hear the myth that uh, Mexican-Americans, Hispanic-Americans are coming over here, taking the jobs from especially black people, but people, low-wage people, US, Asian-Americans and black folks. W- what is it that I'm missing? How is it that you guys, you, that Asian-Americans and black folks are still living in high poverty uh, with, but with this great economy and this, you know, and here, you, here I am making fun, though, too. At 3.9, they don't talk about the real uh, unemployment rate, but how is it that um, we're even supposed to get out of that fold when we're looking at such high poverty rates? between uh, your people and, my, and ours?
2: Well, part of it is the, the force of the, the global economy. Mm-hmm. A lot of Asians may come from countries where the, the economy is so strong, influenced by the bilateral trade or mm-hmm.
3: yeah, yep, the United yep. States. And
2: so mm-hmm. there's certain economic leverage that a lot of Asian Americans, or particularly Asian immigrants in America, mm-hmm. have be, mm-hmm. vis-a-vis the home countries. Yep. A lot of African Americans do not have that economic yes. leverage right away globally or domestically and yes. that's why part yes. of my work in race relations is always to build an economic foundation and power mm-hmm. well, because when you have power when you have more
1: capital mm-hmm. then certainly they can have greater choice and freedom in mm-hmm. order to uh, do things. You know and and I'm glad you mentioned that what, what you said that in terms of you know different groups of it and so we always hear in terms of you know black empowerment and, and, and how to improve you know social uplift for the community oh why don't you be more like the Asians, why don't you be more like this? Like the Jews, why don't you be more like these groups? And I'm glad that you mentioned in terms of the Asians that are coming over, because a lot of them are coming over are coming over from the upper classes, especially in America. Um, the ones from uh, China to Japan, so they have degrees. Some of them have more degrees than what the average is for Americans, black, white, you know, or whatever. Um, also, because the United States government wants to have good relationships with those nations, there is a benefit um, to the immigrants of those nations in this country and that's also it has impacted the black community in terms of like the hair care industry which is actually huge because that used to be black owned until like the 60s when the koreans took it over and the reason why they were able to do that is because of beneficial relationships between you know korea and the u.s government you know giving them leverage to where they were able to then take over that industry
2: Well, you know, the global global economic links is one thing, but the other thing, too, is that I believe that Asians uh, in general don't experience a kind of vile racism that a lot of African-Americans experience. Yes, that's true. So when society rejects you less, Mm -hmm. even if society thinks that because you're Asian, you're a model minority, Mm -hmm. it's a of racial stereotype, but the pushback from the mainstream white America is not as strong as in the case of African-Americans. So this Mm -hmm. is another factor that can deprive... A lot of um, uh, African Americans that opportunity mm-hmm. to be, you know, to achieve mm-hmm. the full potential. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, should we be working with? A, and I'm, and I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna ask you this because, you know, because I I, I know you, but um, this, uh, I, and I don't know if you'll be comfortable talking about this. We're actually about to uh, take a break, so we'll think about it and then we'll talk about it when we come back. But should African Americans be partnering with uh, people in the Asian community? Because a lot of people feel that I've heard from in the Black community is that Asians dislike us because we're were darker complected, so there's that whole colorism thing that you know uh, that comes into play. Um, and should we be partnering with these groups? And if so, how should we be doing that? How should we um, build relationships uh, between African Americans and the Asian community?
0: And that is, and that is what we call in the biz a tease. We got more <laughs> on the other side of the break. That's this is, is do Black do. Republican, Black Democrat oh, on twin cities, twin cities News Talk at TwinCitiesNewsTalk dot Welcome back to Twin Cities, Talk, Twin Cities News Talk, com. I'm Jamar Nelson.
1: And I'm Patwin Lawrence. Welcome
0: back, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't even gonna ask you who that is, or foe, because no, <laughs> neither one of you guys will get it. <laughs> Bo, uh, Pat had a very, um, poignant question for you. Mm. Um, here's your chance to answer. You wanna ask it again, Pat?
1: Oh, so it was about the relationships between, uh, building relationships between the Asian community and, um, the African American community. Like, how have things gone with that in, um, in Montreal? But then also, how can we do it in the U.S.? Because there's a lot of, um, you know, I can easily speak from the African American side where there's distrust about <coughs> Asians. And then I know also on the Asian side, because of, like, cultural things about darkness, you know, black and skin tone, that that also it has created a barrier. So if we could.
2: Well, so certainly, you know, it's interesting. We were talking to a friend earlier about in the, in terms of in the global economy, how China is so in present now in different African countries mm-hmm. for purpose of natural resource development mm-hmm. and investment infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a new global economy in, right there in the continent of Africa. But in the United States or in Canada here, I think there are strategic reasons why, I think, and how both communities can work together. The question of having the numbers, mm-hmm. the question of having sharing knowledge and resources in order to achieve common goals, particularly in certain urban areas mm-hmm. where it's important to do so mm-hmm. but the trick is the Asian community are by themselves so diverse mm-hmm. They have a difference between those who are Chinese and those who mm-hmm. are Vietnamese like mm-hmm. Texas where there's a vibrant Vietnamese American mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. so the history and the Hmongs the dynamics here are very different mm-hmm. certainly one thing we do have to rec- recognize is to avoid that conflict in many like in New York or in LA between African Americans and Korean Americans mm-hmm. over issues of like you know small business and local employment mm-hmm. i think it requires a different uh, way of looking at things in mm-hmm. order to be mutually beneficial okay to one another
0: okay. absolutely yeah. so again uh, the why is there an inherent um created uh, distrust between our between the two races, between us, because like Padwin says, we've always heard that uh, uh, Asians didn't like us because of our skin color or because of the educational advancements mm-hmm. or things mm-hmm. of that nature. And then, I mean, honestly, to be not to be so stereotypical, but we always have heard how Asians came over here and got free cars and free money and all mm-hmm. that. So, is that something that number one is that a, d- a myth that we should debunk? Mm-hmm. Do they normally just come over here and get things handed to them? Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot
1: of uh, black folks are pissed off. Mm-hmm. And and they seem very Caucasian focused too, yes. like the ones that, especially South Asians, so, you know, uh, East Indians too, seem to be very white-focused. And when they come here, and I, and I can talk about when when I worked for Target, I was... Uh, one of the few people that would even talk to the ones that were coming over the train for Target India, um, because I ended up befriending quite a few of them, and we would go out to eat, and you know they would tell me, well, you know, I'm so glad that you talked to uh, talked to me because you know the it, they only talked to us, you know, in terms of our business, but then after that, that was it. It was very few like social interactions, but it seemed like they were craving that interaction with you know, the Caucasian community when they were kind of getting rejected. And I kind of have noticed that. And so I think that factors into a lot of what's going on as well.
2: Well, you know, in many ways, we, in spite of differences, that there's one thing a lot of people of color have as a common experience, historically speaking, Mm -hmm. to at certain points in the lives and history of our peoples, we have all been uh, colonized. Mm Mm-hmm by the French, by the British. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes the common colonialism heritage Mm -hmm. can bring us together to recognize that we should not perpetuate colonialism, perpetuate this kind of racism based Mm -hmm. on, among other things, colorism, Mm -hmm. and we should be careful not to let the uh, economic issues divide us and continue to stratify and to provide more reasons for racial polarization and conflicts. In many ways, the people from the former French colonies, whether they are Arabic, French, or black, mm-hmm. they understand colonialism how they can destroy solidarity between people. So, I think it's mm-hmm. something that, at the ma- macro as well as the micro level mm-hmm. in urban areas, something that we need to constantly educate ourselves about one another experiences and not to repeat the errors of history and to continue to divide and weaken ourselves so i
0: if i'm a regular uh which is one of the reasons why you created this center. Um, if I'm a reg- regular Joe Schmo, and I've experienced some, I don't know, high level of racism. Okay, first of all, this is how I phrase this question so you can help me and, and our listeners. Is this a center for, uh, uh just corporate, anything, uh, corporate or commercial? So if I experience racism that I, what I think is racism, and I walk into your office, how does this center for, uh, uh, race relations help us out?
2: Well. We, we have a team of lawyers who are associated with us from all kinds of racial backgrounds that can mm-hmm. provide for legal defense or for civil representation, depending on the nature of the case. As an organization, can also help people file complaints, civil rights complaints, with different uh, public agencies that are designed to protect uh, civil rights. So it doesn't matter? We, uh, it doesn't matter. Okay, cool, have, yeah. We also organize, in addition to legal action, organize mm-hmm. people around, into, like in order to mobilize. because, you know, it all comes down to, how we organize communities, empower them, and mm-hmm. energize them. And uh, through that, you can change things at the policy level. Mm-hmm. L- lawsuits are one thing, but mm-hmm. we also have to do it policy advocacy. And, mm-hmm. and, for example, as I was speaking to you earlier, we just got uh, somebody writing in about a black woman being expelled from a, a store for their mother and the police called upon their form consumer racial profiling. Mm-hmm. So those are the, the things that we respond to and we provide individual assistance. And if mm-hmm. they want to go public and help them go public, with the case, uh, and it's, it, you know, sometimes it starts small, but through that's just how you mobilize, organize, and empower people.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, you know, here in Minnesota, we, you know, we formed uh, uh, four councils of color that work with the legislature. So like the African-American, the council that I, you know, used to chair, then there's one for the uh, the Native American community, the Hispanic community, and the Asian community. Uh, and so that was a way to have kind of, a, you know, synergy with the legislation, with the legislature and policy issues, um, because, you know, the, the, the diversity level, especially back in the 1980s and 1970s in Minnesota was a lot lower than it even, is now. And Um, And so those were ways that avenues that people were looking at to impact policy, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, their communities. And so what kind of structures are set into place um, that your organization works with or that's there, you know, in Canada um, that we could possibly learn from, you know, here, you know, in the United States? Because we have within the black community, we have like the NAACP, which was like the legal arm of the community. We have the Urban League, which was like the uh, social uplift um, arm of the community. We have other organizations that kind of work synergistically to help move the community forward. So what are some things that are there in, in, in Canada to well, you know, move communities Well,
2: generally in, in Canada, the we don't have the kind of uh, structure like the one you just mentioned among us, like the NAACP. Mm-hmm. Because we, uh, in this country, the, the state and state funding plays such a great role in, uh, in terms of what what exists out there in structure for the communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are um, more local structures, such as city advisory committees on race relations, and also, issue based uh, organizations that are, um, and, you know, that can people come together around specific issues in order to work on specific things. Needless to say, in Canada, we don't have the kind of, for example, foundations that can provide for a lot of grants. So, mm. organizations have very few resources. And mm-hmm. so, state funding for immigrant adaptation is greater than state funding for advocacy. Mm. So, you can see that, you know, in, the, in many ways, it's advocacy work in Canada especially on racism can be a very uh, a poor people's work mm-hmm. uh, but you know it's as long as you have the will as you have the innovation mm-hmm. uh, we believe you can do things we can still bring people together uh, and we still have to go back to those places of worship black churches of mm-hmm. mosque in order to bring people together and move people you also have to I believe in, in your city you have a different within the black community mm-hmm. you have to, like your African Americans you have Somalis mm-hmm. new immigrants mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's also internal cohesion that needs to be built, right? Because yes,
3: yes, yes. Their
2: common cultural mm-hmm. view of things, and mm-hmm. all these things take time. Yes, um, that's that's the differences between the two countries.
1: And how are you guys bringing people together like that there in Montreal? Because that's been an issue here, especially African Americans with the diverse African communities.
2: Well, sometimes we have to go back to the basics of community organizing, uh, uh, organize people around one single common cause or a cause of common concern. For mm. example, uh, we're facing more and more depressed and hate groups, far-right groups right here in Montreal. Mm. And this is an issue that can galvanize a lot of communities and individuals, all backgrounds together into a, a sort of a common front. Mm. Another issue that we're going to be working on is black youth employment. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. As you know, we have a high rate of unemployment yeah. among black
1: youth. Uh, hiring up
2: yep. fifteen to twenty four. Mm-hmm. These are systemic. Yes, so we would same have here. To bring together different, even labor unions, in order to address these issues and schools, because you know an unemployed youth is usually a ticket to a conflict with the law, and we need to ensure that the criminal justice system um, we we fight the form kinds of racial profiling to avoid the criminalization of of poverty and race.
0: Man, I, yeah, listen, I've got I've, I've got a couple more questions for you too, man, because I was um. Uh, Doing a lot of research on you now and checking you out, so I've got some pointy questions for you. So we got more for you uh, for on the other side of the break. This is Black Republican, Black Democrat on Twin Cities News Talk and Talk dot com. Welcome back. <laughs> it
1: was so funny. I, I, I always just I just, I just always want to. I see you bopping, yeah.
0: And then I always want to ask you who it is, but I, you would never guess us. No,
1: I know. No, I actually, I've heard all these. I just don't
0: know who the artists That's okay. are. That's it. Okay. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to hit you one day. <laughs> turn them up, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> this is Black Republican Black Democrat. I'm your co-host and homeboy Jamar Nelson. And I'm Patwin Lawrence, and uh, our guest today is Fo. Uh, Fo. I don't want to butcher your last name. How do I pronounce your last name? near me
2: near
0: me yeah. so i was looking at an article what i should have what i should have said uh, when we were going out i was looking at your article and we got a couple more closers um uh was looking at how the human rights commission out there in quebec had ordered um the police department to pay seventeen thousand dollars to a black family for what they uh, uh said was racial profiling um
2: and you Lord. were a part of yeah. that Award solo yes we we have a lot of cases like we're coming out another uh, decision in favor of black young men of fifteen thousand uh, dollars Americans would be shocked at such a low compensation that's been given out
0: well at least it's something you know? though
2: yeah because in some cases a lot of our black clients get like really uh, uh, excessive force and get end up criminal charge being out of court uh, criminal court for two three years and then end mm-hmm. up with ten fifteen thousand dollars of awards and damages. In the U.S., should be like 1.5 million dollars, and you know, when the money is so low, mm-hmm. we can't change the system. These things keep happening to a lot of black folks here.
0: So oh. I'm saying. So now, I guess, let me get an understanding. How did that settlement come about? I mean, I understand it's racial profiling, but is this something that was rewarded to every black man that sues no, we have and is to found- bring the
2: case of the like human rights uh, the commission? Do we have to bring it to the courts in order to mm-hmm. like, in a form of, of civil lawsuit so that we have to, um, to file on behalf of individuals that racially profile. okay uh, and who can take? two, three years or sometimes four years in order to get the re, uh, the result and the reward. Um, but yeah as I mentioned earlier in Canada the the award solo that it could uh, you know this is why things don't change. But I'm sure that if, for example if the war to court order for example and if a hundred thousand dollars of damages for somebody who's been racial profiled and beaten up by police, certainly police departments will think twice about it.
0: So I'm saying like here we do in the States, um if if I, if I'm uh, beat up by a police officer and they're found to be uh... guilty uh... uh um, financially mm-hmm. guilty right. Um so in canada you saying that there's a cap that's there's a there's a certain cap
2: oh no there's no cap but just our judges our court mm. justice system mm-hmm. uh... T- tend to remain very uh, low in terms of their standards of compensation okay in other words uh, let me put it this way yeah yeah black lives are cheap according wow. to the Canadian justice system. Mm. Wow! All right, and that's something we want to change because money talks. How do mm-hmm.
0: we change it? How do we go about petitioning uh, legislators to change the laws? Because if they're only being—if you kick my butt and uh, you know you do, sometimes irreparable damage to me. Mm-hmm. Seventeen thousand dollars doesn't seem like enough compensation. And does that include hospital? Uh, um, me, thank you. Mm-hmm
2: all the hospital bills legal fees no then that's what wow. the we're trying to change and that's why uh, for the first thing we do is when you deal with victim discrimination and uh, you have to tell them you have got, you have your civil rights you got to stand up for them and you really have to go through the the, the whole process a lot of people get discouraged. A lot of people don't believe. Mm-hmm. People are afraid of the system. I've been through it. So, our organization should stand behind them, especially when they are young, mm-hmm. and to go through the system, go through the whole process with them. Is it- um, even at the end, it gets so little, but you know, you've got to rain down on the system in order to change them. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have in the province of Quebec, there are about 500 something mm-hmm. judges. Mm-hmm. Okay, less than five are black judges. Mm. Wow. Right. How, so, wait say that number so again. Talking about the integration or say racial segregation, we still have a long way to go. In no kidding. Cases, mm-hmm. Wow. how the system needs to be changed. Is
0: this just in Quebec? Because, I mean, again, I don't mean to sound so Pollyannish or, or, or silly and ignorant. Quebec is still behind. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. you should talk about is the Canada, history yeah. there. Because Quebec is a little bit different. Because, you know, they've tried to break away a number of times. And they have that francophone Brexit, They tried to quixit. The
2: yeah, they did. They have a number of times. Yeah. <laughs> right. They tried to separate from the rest. Of Canada, you know, the historic has always been issue of language. Mm-hmm. In the last 20 years, race has become a pr- prominent issue. Wow. The of Ontario next door. Mm-hmm. You just don't um, never hear we have, that. We have, we have a, a government strategy against racism. Mm-hmm. I mean, judges at every level come from different colors. Mm-hmm. But mind you, the Supreme Court of Canada is still all white. Mm-hmm. The whole federal court system of Canada is still all white. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. still have you well, know that's we still like have the US a long way to go in no matter the matters of race. Yeah. Yeah. Some ways. Yeah. So it now
0: the um the um C C R A R R is it yeah. just for those in Canada? I mean, if I experience here things here in the States, how can you help me? is there another we arm?
2: We can't, mm-hmm. but if you're the American visitors, mm-hmm. we have some cases. That American visitors to Montreal get racial profile and get really uh, mistreated police. And certainly, mm-hmm. as long as it takes place in Canadian soil, particularly in Quebec, then we can help you.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, unfortunately, because we don't have a lot of resources, mm-hmm. unless the NWCP would like to cooperate with us <laughs> in developing certain joint that would be smart. You know, hate crimes. Because you know these hate criminals, they travel mm-hmm. across the yes. border, back yes. and forth. Mm-hmm. And we have really tackled the far right because I think it's a threat to both the countries and national security.
0: But folks, didn't I just see a couple of weeks ago where, I don't know what part of Canada it was in, wasn't it Canada where a cop uh, did not kill an armed suspect that was uh, wielding a gun at a yeah. department, I think it was down in front of a mall, a department store. and a, In a, Toronto, yeah. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. okay thank you. Mm-hmm. So that's why, again, I'm sitting here Thinking that the type of racism that you experience, especially with police officers, doesn't happen in Canada. And so I'm so surprised that you're saying that.
2: Wait, this, wait, wait. wait. That, in that case, it was basically a driver that killed, uh, drove in two people and killed about uh, almost 10 people uh, right downtown Toronto, the largest center. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was an Asian police officer who ah, basically mm. did not shoot, mm. capture that uh, killer alive okay. uh, do you, but we do have a lot of cases police brutality directed again that was my question the First Nations people
0: mm. that was my question yeah. so how prevalent is p- police brutality amongst the black citizens there in Canada or the, Quebec the, anyway the
2: Stats in uh, Montreal and Toronto show that a disproportionate high number of people wow. shot and killed are still black uh, shot and Indians. killed yeah and many of them have uh, mental health issues. Wow. The layer of That's things the same that here yeah. We have to address right. Mm-hmm. I mean a black person with mental health issue is usually assumed to be a, a criminal yep. automatically. Mm-hmm. Yes. A white person with mental health issue is considered Eccentric. As, well obviously yes. the guy has yes. mental health. So he has
0: problems. Mm-hmm. Who yeah. knew it? They mm-hmm. got the, guy, the guy, eccentric I, as if they're rich. I yeah. either yeah. I either the 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 criminal that just uh, uh shot people at the uh Waffle House here oh, a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Oh, you know, yeah. He had yeah. mental issues and yeah. they were here we go making excuses for him all over the place. So uh yeah. for, uh, going forward, uh, what do you think some of the solutions are that we could do again to maybe change some of the legislating the laws or something that we could do? Because now I don't know if I want to visit anymore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, you can still visit. I think countries still safe. We continue to have to work. I think we have to develop greater cooperation, and exchange of ideas and knowledge across the border on many of these things. But primarily, I don't want us to forget that. To tackle racial injustice, you've got to tackle economic injustice. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm.
0: yes. Mm-hmm. I like this dude. I'm telling you. Yes, yes. yeah. So,
2: so is you've the, got it's, to get people into the board of trades and to the, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the you know corporate board of directors because mm-hmm. that's where you're going to change. And that's why I look, talk about wealth
1: in- so much on the show is because that's where the root of a lot of the problems. Like if that was resolved, a lot of these issues would go. <laughs>
2: Yeah yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Money
1: talks
0: No money does talk You know real quick Before we let you go Is there a real High poverty rate Amongst black folks There in Quebec Yes oh.
2: There is An uh, the unemployment rate Is usually Like 150% higher Than the average Unemployment rate and poverty as well wow. and especially with english speaking black folks in montreal so you have a wow. layer of mm. language discrimination yeah uh, but and uh, you know and, and black canadians are six times more represented in the federal uh,
1: correctional system Fo- than they are in the general canadian population so do you have a, another 15 minutes sure okay yeah we'll do a post show and we'll get got some more the of these practice. solutions absolutely
0: ladies and gentlemen this has been our guest with this our previous show the co- uh, show of black republican black democrat we got more in the post show podcast i'm jamar nelson and i'm patwin lawrence join us make sure you thank you for listening this week bye, bye.